Everybody, 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 drop your stop, 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 Welcome back to Drop Your Buffs. I'm Sean Ross. I am Evan Ross Katz. And we are here talking, and just like that, episode six, Bomb Cyclone. Another one directed by Cynthia Nixon. Oh, wow. I didn't realize that. Okay. Yeah. This makes a lot of sense. It made sense to me, too. There because were Miranda, choices galore. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, I felt like the only really great stuff in this episode was Miranda content. Wow, coming out the gate hot. Wow. Or rather cold because <laughs> first Chris, of all, this now episode, it's Christmas. Last yeah. week it was Halloween in July. This week it's Christmas in July. But I kind of love how this show is like, we are going to let you know the time, like what time of year it is. Like, and we are going to make sure that you do not forget. So last week you were like, hmm, what time of year is it? And it's like, they get, you get the exterior shot and Miranda's up uh, her, her her brownstone and there's all the Halloween direct decorations outside. Then we go inside and what is Miranda doing? She's cutting a pumpkin because it's Halloween. <laughs> and then this episode, it's like, what time of year is it? And it's like, it is winter. And not just winter, it is W, capital W, winter. And it's like, and they will let you know. <laughs> before even the bomb cyclone, which by the way, I've never heard that term. Me neither. Never in my life. And I know they've been making up a lot of weather terms these days. Mm-hmm. Never heard that one. But it's like before that even happened, no, we got the signals that it was winter because Carrie was dressed for the slopes at the Apple store. Yes, she was. Like for the slopes. Yeah. It's a nice look, but like, I don't know how <laughs> practical it is. Like if you have to pee, you got the whole thing has to come off. Yeah. I got to say like that, this was a rare, what's the opposite of a serve? It's a boot. Okay, yeah. This was a rare boot for me for Carrie because there have been times like that I don't like what she's wearing, but I can appreciate its you know place in the in the realm of fashion. I didn't love this, and sometimes and like don't get me wrong, Carrie's not known for like practicality when it comes to what she wears, but this one was a little bit like, what are we doing here? What's what's the deal with this? this? Like sometimes, and this is a larger critique of the costuming on and just like that versus sex in the city. Sometimes I feel like we're doing weird for weird sake. Mm. And on sex in the city, which like Carrie got weird quite often, it always felt like driven by Carrie. And this sometimes feels more driven by appeasing the fans and like, you know, wanting to say like, Oh, it's your girl, Carrie and Carrie's a quirky dresser. So yeah, a boot. <laughs> okay. I didn't mind. I didn't mind it that much. I actually liked it. Sorta. I just didn't get that. Like why it needed to be worn to the Apple Store. I thought that. I thought the time and place. Time and place. I mean, also, like, (laughs) did you clock how slow they were moving through the Apple Store? That doesn't surprise me. Yeah, it's just like I get we're doing a walk and talk, but I was like, ladies, get it moving. And also, Ms. Bradshaw, order your computer online. And go in and pick it up. Like the rest of us. Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing to browse at the Apple store. No, not at all. And also, like, (laughs) just tell Seema, hey, I'm going to be five minutes late to lunch. I have to swing by the Apple store. Don't make her come and get it with you. Well, I don't know. I think Seema's a big Apple fan. 
You know those people, they love to go into the Apple store. They know what's in there, but like, I mean, she's claiming she has the uh, 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 yet-to-be-released iPhone. Mm-hmm. She is an Apple head. I do feel like we continue to have these conversations around like balance with this show because I feel like in the case of Seema and Naya in this episode, they were very much accessories to other characters, uh-huh. but we were able to, you know... LTW was the side and Che LTW and Che were the side characters that we were able to really zoom in on this episode. And then, well, then Lily, whose songwriting oh career God. reemerged briefly, clock the Ludwig, Ludwig von Beethoven poster on Lily's wall. Again, this show in subtlety. <laughs> like, like, you have to laugh. You just have to. Um, but yeah, I felt like we, we were again back in the place of like, there are so many characters. And then, like, Anthony conspicuously absent from this episode. Um, oh, well, he was, oh, he was, oh, no, uh, he was, he was at Charlotte's right. house. Yeah. You're right. You're right. You're right, you're right. Okay. Relatively absent, absent, I should say. Also, I do just want to say, sorry, before we get into this episode, I want to acknowledge last week I mentioned, I was like, why is Herbert dressed up in the George Washington costume back at the house? It makes no sense. Having now rewatched that episode, I think four times, I just want to say I understand that the whole thing was that he didn't want to dress up at the party because he didn't want to be perceived a certain way. And when he was at home, he was more willing to let his hair down. I understand. And I also just want to mention one of the difficulties I find about recording this podcast. I have to watch this show so many times to understand it. And I just finished this week's episode and we're recording. And so sometimes there are things that I miss or things so, that just like take some time to process. Hang on a second. Are you suggesting it's like a dense show? I Or that you have to spend time filling in the gaps in your own mind? Well, I think a little bit of both, but I, I, I wouldn't identify it as a dense show so much as there are times when, like I have to say there are things in the last episode that I felt like one strong way about when we recorded the podcast, that I go back and like, I was like, oh, I feel I've softened on this or I feel differently. I just feel like there's a lot to sort of like marinate on. And like, sometimes when you get on the mic right afterwards, I'm having a very like visceral reaction. And sometimes I need time to say, okay, I don't like this choice, but being that this was the choice, how am I to respond to it? And I feel like sometimes I'm reacting very emotionally when we record. And I think sometimes I'm a little bit more level-headed, you know, with a few rewatches. Do you feel really invested in the show? Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. when, uh, I guess there, yeah, I guess there was some big things to happen here with Miranda and Che breaking up and the fight with Steve, a lot of Miranda stuff. But so, and, and I know you're really excited about Aiden and there's this email to Aiden that Carrie is writing in this episode. But is, is, is that the kind of stuff that you're seeing and you're like, this changes everything? Like, is this like edge of your seat sort of viewing? Um, no, but I would say the show just feels, especially in comparison to season one, just more of a flow to it. And I think mm. that comes from just being more accustomed to the world of and just like that. But some of like the choices that the show makes, I sort of, I'm more, I don't want to say I'm at peace with it, but I'm less at odds with it. Mm. And yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, to your question, like edge of my seat, no. 
But I stand by the fact that like, and just like that is like a weekly Barbenheimer for me. You know what I mean? Like I, what everyone's feeling right now about Barbie Oppenheimer, like I have that every Thursday with and just like that. And I think it's a, you know, a combination of the enjoyment of the show, but also like the enjoyment of the discourse and mm. the memes and the discussion and the podcasts and what have you. And by podcasts, I mean, and just like that recap podcast, not Chase and Carrie's now canceled podcasts. <laughs> um, so I, yeah, I mean, I remain at the edge of my seat. And also I feel distinctly like this episode signaled the closing of the, the first half of the season, not just numerically, but also like, I think the start of the Aiden plotline next week and single Miranda and mm. uh, it seems like we're still doing kid plots with Charlotte, but like, I do feel like we're like making forward motion. Mm. Like we, we, this felt a little bit like a bookend this episode. Right. Okay. I can see that. I can see that. I just, <laughs> Is there any part of you with a reboot like this? Uh, I, would you call would you call this a reboot or what is this? Sort of like a sequel? They would call it a new chapter. <laughs> I think that they've they consciously rejected. Yeah, right. I think they've consciously rejected the term reboot. Um, I, I guess but- what what I want to ask is like, is there any part of watching and just like that that feels like it's it's not yes it's the it's the characters you know and love from sex in the city but is there any part of you watching it that feels like this isn't real oh my god all the time and particularly the way in which the was it bomb cyclone yeah the way in which that entire sequence was filmed particularly with carrie and charlotte's their both their sister scenes if you will uh-huh. in the snow um i was like this is like, it's basically like someone took an intro to CGI class, which I'm guessing now I understand it was probably Cynthia Nixon, and was like, let's, like, let's apply this this background that we made and, like, lay it over and just like that. And, yeah, I'm watching that and I'm like, is this, are we supposed to believe that this is Carrie Bradshaw moving through the streets of New York? I, I And I was like, yes, I but- guess. But I mean, like, you're watching it and you're like, is there any part of you that feels like, well, this is what they're doing with Carrie, but it's not canon? I think I just, at this point, it's like not even a thought. I, I'm right. done. I, I've moved past the point of trying to reconcile and just like that within the legacy of Sex and okay. okay. It's sort of like, to me, I, I wonder, I, like, I'm trying to find an equivalent for something that I'm interested in. And I think about, like, 90210, which I grew up with and, and loved. And then, then when they rebooted 90210 on the CW, but they had some of the original cast come back. And, like, Shannon Doherty was back. And they had those characters there. It was like, I, I'm happy to see them, but this doesn't feel canon to me. So, but that is an interesting example to bring up because that was distinctly them saying, here is the new generation, Mm -hmm. but we're bringing you the old generation as sort of like recognizable tent poles. Whereas this is very much still rooted. It's almost like if, and just like that had chosen to focus on Lily, Rock, Brady, et cetera, then that would be a more lateral example. But the interesting thing about, and just like that is the continued focus on the original character. Wait, yeah. is there another show that did the 
parents being a part of it. Well, there was like, I, they did that with Degrassi, but yeah, I'm trying to think. There, there was probably other like high school. So where it's like, oh, oh, Fuller House. Yes. Yeah. Where they were like, let's bring back the OGs, but we're very much launching a new thing. Also, uh, Boy Meets Girl. Oh, yeah. Or Girl Meets World. Yes. 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 These are like, so that would have been a really interesting approach, uh, but one not taken. <laughs> <laughs> Probably for the best. <laughs> okay. Well, we're waking up at Naya's house. Uh, have we seen Naya's house? I mean, I know we saw Naya like collecting the guitars. Are we to understand that she's keeping? Is that the same place that the guitars were at? Yes, because she offered Miranda her ex's space. But this is the part that's confusing because everything that I've been led to believe is that like this whole plot, because like, I even in, in listening to the Angels Like That podcast last week, they talked about how they loved the idea of like Miranda and Naya as roommates. But my understanding of the deal was that like Miranda was being given a separate space that they own or that they oh, have. Oh, no, no, no. I think maybe you heard something like, because I think last week you said studio. Uh-huh. I think that means studio in the in apartment. In the apartment, like, okay. Like recording studio, which is now empty and we've turned Got into it. a bedroom. So it's like they owned a two-bedroom, the second bedroom being his studio. Yeah. And, and Naya's basically like, come and, yeah, move Live in there. there. But then, like, what was Miranda doing when Steve came home at the apartment? Well, that's a great question. Though I don't understand why Miranda is over there doing laundry. It's like doesn't and cleaning out the fridge. I don't understand that. Confusing. I think Miranda is finding reasons to be over there. Mm-hmm. Right, and so in that way, it kind of makes sense that she doesn't really have a purpose there, but she's still being there. Yeah, because she wants to be there. Other confusing things is like <laughs> going back to the bomb cyclone. So the bomb cyclone is so bad that the bodega where Charlotte wants to pick up condoms had to close down and Lily and Rock's school is closed. I mean, Lily is off fucking. So I'm assuming school's closed for the day. And yet WidowCon is like full steam ahead. Um, but then well, when you cut over to LTW's MoMA talk, that seems pretty scantily yes. attended. Yes. So confusing about like. Well, I, I, I think the only confusing thing in this is the that only confusing the thing. pharmacy slash bodega, wherever she was going, that it was closed, but that there was somebody inside. So there was no reason for it to be closed. Like mm -hmm. it's not that the door is frozen shut. There's no reason he couldn't have just let her in to make a purchase. Mm -hmm. In fact, why not? Because surely he's not making much money that day. So sell the condoms. Um, that That's the only part of that that doesn't make sense. Otherwise, it's like everything else makes sense because WidowCon is still going on because, as Carrie said, they've been there since Tuesday. No, I get it. Been there being in the city. Uh-huh. Is Are we to believe that WidowCon is taking place at the hotel? Yeah, of course it is. Okay. But, like, in theory, aren't there other people that haven't traveled? Like, aren't oh, there probably. Locals? But, you know, you know how conferences work. Most people stay at the hotel. There's, like, a discounted rate. And they all stay there and go downstairs to shop the vendors and go to the ballroom got it, events. Got it, got it. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that no, that makes perfect sense to me. <laughs> but then with regard to LTW's event, they wouldn't be like, hey, y'all, 
being because for instance if school is closed for the day who's taking care of ltw's kids i don't care but it's like also like wouldn't they (laughs) reschedule the moma event uh you know what like moma's a really busy place it might be hard to reschedule Mm -hmm. events there fair enough so okay (laughs) well rock's ralph lauren ad is out was it a toot or a boot (laughs) it was a toot although we're extending this plot line into a third episode did you see the previews for next week no i I never see the previews i don't have the previews got it okay well more to come still be going (laughs) more to come are people gonna like Photoshop them into wild situations? I think that they're doing online? like a Charlotte as a momager to rock plotline. Oh god. Yeah. Deep we breath. give Charlotte a plot. Well, I thought we were getting it's like so this episode I thought was gonna be the Charlotte back to work. It right. wasn't. Then in the scenes for next week, I'm like, oh, this'll be the one. And yeah. we're continuing on the, you know, Charlotte and her kids at the center of her universe plotline. I don't know. Yeah, the crazy thing about all of this is that the time between the episodes is so vast that I think they're thinking, like, there's certain markers where it's like, for example, Charlotte is walking through the bomb cyclone, calling Carrie, saying, you must have condoms, you were just dating Franklin. And it's like, no, she was dating Franklin in the spring, sweetheart. It is midwinter. Yeah. That it's coming on winter. They're cutting down trees. Yeah. <laughs> like this was ages ago. If Carrie also, still has condoms from that, RIP Carrie's sex life. <laughs> we need true. to change the RIP big and sex R. in the R. city. Yeah. And RIP <laughs> Carrie's sex life for sure. Uh, so yeah, I think that some of the, so, and I guess an ad campaign like this, you know, it could take months to come out. It could. It, and, and like this whole thing going on with Chase Pilot, like this is all spanning work to understand months, right? Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a little much to wrap my head around. Like also, I, time moves slow. Yeah. In the, just like that world. In the, also, sense that it, <laughs> in the sense that it's moving fast, but their lives aren't changing in between. Very that. Also, I understand that Chase in this depression because of their, uh, their uh, series not being picked up. But I think Che would like need to get out of bed and do their stand up because they have to make a living. And so I understand like the idea of like that they're really going through it as a result of, you know, their I- entire idea of themselves being blown up by uh, that room full of strangers last week, or I guess, or maybe 10 weeks ago or 10 months ago. I don't know yeah. the timeline at this point, but I still feel like che- we're. It- it's really hard to get a handle on Che in so many ways because sometimes Che acts like a fucking 15 year old. And then you're like the Miranda. I I've know. never seen Che not act like a 15 year old. Fair. Che is a monster. Like the but- way that Che treats Miranda. Oh my God. And the fact that Che gets to be the one to break up. Like you don't deserve that. But at least I appreciate, and again, this goes back to a recurring thing I've been saying about, I love that Cynthia Nixon never makes the obvious choice. And at least when that breakup happened, I was like, oh my God, like Miranda is about to tailspin. And I appreciated that. And this is, you know, a combination of the writing and the acting, but Miranda was not totally sidelined and instead was able to make a joke out of it. 
and like, you know, make the joke about it's my second breakup of the day. Like things are not going well for me. Um, and I'm hopeful. So in our scenes for next week that you did not see, Miranda is going to re-enter the dating pool. Oh. My concern. So I know we're getting more Steve. At least there was more Steve filmed because just so you know, Sean, Steve and Aiden co-owned a bar together. Scout, yeah, you which mentioned we spoke this about. to yeah. me and the bar and was Scout still exists, but we, but we don't know if Aiden is still a part of Scout. But there are these scenes I've spoken about on the podcast that, that SJ filmed with John Corbett and David Eigenberg. You know, and maybe those were misleads or, and we'll never see them. But like, if this is where we end things with Steve, it's just such a bummer because I feel like there was all this pushback last season because it seemed that like the Steve we once knew was made to be this like very feeble, very just like sad man. And so I feel like in an effort to course correct, they were like, no, 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 this season, this season, Steve's mad. Steve's working out with his speed bag. Steve is taking back the power. He's fucking. Steve's fucking. And I'm like, both of these Steves, like this, this course correction, it's like, this ain't working for me either. It's like, just give me like my Steve. Like I miss my Steve. And so if this is where we like end things with Steve, it's like in a very different sad place than last season, but an equally sad place. Do you know what's so wild to me about this? And like, maybe this is just the culture that straight people live in. But the number of condoms that are being used. Oh, I know. <laughs> like, I haven't seen a condom in years. Yeah, no, I mean, this is, uh, I'm wondering if this is some sort of spawn con for Trojan. <laughs> They're like, there's a big opportunity. And here. like, who is Steve fucking that he needs a condom? And I'm not saying anything about like, you know, what's appropriate ages to, but like, it fuck at any age, but like, does Steve need a condom? It's hard to parse How old out. is this young woman? It's also like, what was Miranda expecting? And I understand the writing wants you to believe that her frustration is not that he's fucking someone. It's that he's been playing this victim whilst fucking somebody. But like, I think both things could be true. And I also think Miranda could wrap her head around that. Yeah. Also, Miranda's in a a full-ass relationship. Like, he can do whatever he wants. Absolutely. Like, who are you to judge? Oh, now you're mad? Do we talk, do we go to their breakup scene or should we go chronological? Yeah, sorry. Let's let's get back because I have something else that I really need to talk about. Well, yeah, but we'll have to touch down on that one. Of course we will. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, here's another issue I have with the timeline is that all of a sudden Carrie is like start seems like starting her book tour. Mm-hmm. But the book was out. It was like it was imminently coming out. I know I know she right. was giving like advanced copies, but like come on now. That was months ago. Right. Maybe this is an early November snowfall. You know sometimes you get that freak mm-hmm. appearance of winter. It was also interesting we got that mention of Carrie's second book, Manhattan, um, during that Zoom call, which is interesting because that's sort of filling in a timeline gap that we don't really know, like, what happened in Carrie's career between Sex and the City and what's her current book called? Uh, <laughs> Big Dive. Like Life and Loss or something like oh, that. Oh, yeah, Love and Loss. Or Love whatever. and Loss. Yeah, yeah. So it's interesting to sort of 
understand. And again, this goes back to that conversation about how famous is Carrie? Mm-hmm. How many books has she written? Is she like known as Carrie? Is she like the Danielle Steele, right? Where it's like she's just churning them out? Or is she the author of, you know, Sex and the City, Manhattan, and now this is the third book? It's like still hard to know, but it was interesting to hear that like, okay, there is the existence of a second book. This podcast is single-handedly keeping Danielle Steele's name it's true. in the ether. It's very true. <laughs> I want to get my hands on a copy of Manhattan. Yeah, it's Manhattan? Yeah. Oh, I see. I, I didn't understand what she was getting at because I heard her say, like, Manhattan, and I was like, okay, well, what's the rest, like, what's the rest of the pun? Because, oh, like, maybe it is Manhattan man- is just the word. I th- Maybe it's man I would prefer Manhattan because that I think is it at was least man- a pun. Yeah. Because Manhattan is just, that's just the word. It's the place. Uh, anyways, the the Zoom the Zoom interviews are not going well. I liked this. Have you ever been Have you ever been this interviewer in a Zoom call? The interviewer that has not read the book. Yeah, uh, just like often. a little unprepared. Uh, I mean, yeah, often I'm better <laughs> at faking it though. <laughs> I can like read a synopsis, but mm-hmm. I do. I like this dynamic because I think it was a fun way of playing into the space between, you know, the modern world of, I wouldn't even call it journalism, but like influencer culture and carry how there's like that big space between without it being like, it did a great job of, there's a way to do this scene in which it's just like, Carrie, you're so old and out of touch. But instead I feel like this scene was really shrewdly written where it was like, Yes, Carrie is like out of touch with what's going on, but it also did a great job of like ridiculing the current mm-hmm. state of influencer culture in that scene. So it had this perfect balance of like, sure, Carrie is not attuned to the way that, you know, social media and influencer culture exists today, but also like, ooh, I don't know if she needs to be. Yeah. I guess I like I don't see a lot of these interviews that are that where the interviews where the interviewer is really bad, but maybe this is getting to how famous Carrie is, which is maybe not that famous, and maybe they're having to settle for like lower tier sort of like you don't really see influencers doing interviews a whole lot. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean it might be one thing if she was like hopping on an Instagram live. They were like, "Oh, it'd be really great if you hopped on an Instagram live with this person because they've got a big following." And like, right, right, right. let's do that. But this was like a proper interview. So this makes me think that it's like an influencer who has a column with like a cosmopolitan or something in which she interviews people akin to like a what's in your bag. So it's like, and basically the magazine might have assigned her as a way to get like Carrie's publicist reached out and was like, do you want to do a feature about our Carrie Bradshaw's new memoir? And they were like, hmm. Well, maybe not that, but we could slot her into this column that we do with this influencer. And I feel like that's how this came about. Mm, Okay. And I got to say, I had an experience recently. I mean, I'm not going to name the name, but I'll say, well, I'm doing, I agreed (laughs) to do a profile of a TikToker for a magazine because it was packaged with another interview with an actor that I really wanted to interview. Uh, the joke's on me because the actor now can't do the interview because of SAG-AFTRA. <laughs> and I had to do the TikTok interview. And it was so sad because I, I don't really say yes to things that I don't want to anymore these days. Um, 
And this was a was this a, a key moment of understanding why that is. But like, yeah, I had to. I had no idea who this person was. How so how I, big is like what kind of? They're following? really big. What kind of following? Um, what does that mean? Like, how big are the numbers? Oh, six million, I think. Okay, I don't think that's that big. Okay. Um, <laughs> I I don't know. I don't have TikTok. But like, well, I just like I think I like when I think of like big TikTokers, I would think like at least ten million, twenty million. Like, the numbers can get really big on TikTok. Oh, really? Well, like, yeah. maybe they do. Okay, hold on. I'm looking this. I'm looking him up. He's got... The okay, he's 15.5 million. Oh. And he has 1 billion likes. What does he do? Um, He's <laughs> a model that's trying to launch a music career. And, like, his latest TikTok has 5.4 million. Okay, well, can uh, you he, please send me the link offline? We won't reveal. Yeah, I will. Here, he does but... have nudes online. Oh, does he do, like, the OnlyFans thing? No, I just, while I was on the call, I Googled <laughs> his name, Nude, and then they came up. Oh, yes. I was bored mid-interview. <laughs> no, I'm you gay. did it while you were on the call? <laughs> yeah, I was bored. <laughs> I'm that girl. I am the girl in this episode. Oh, I'm my the God. Influencer. Okay, I like that. I appreciate that. Okay, let's get rid of um, Lisa's story because two episodes in a row, I just don't know what they're doing. I don't know what they're doing. Like, what? what is the purpose? What's Lisa's husband's name? Uh, wait, I know it. Will, Hank or something? Or... Wait, her, Herbert. Herbert. Herbert gets stepped on the dick. He gets jumped on the dick. Mm-hmm. by one of his kids and it's like a big it's a big issue for one second and i'm like that that never got followed up on i thought like maybe he was gonna have like a real problem where he wasn't gonna be able to have sex and that was gonna cause a problem in their relationship or something like that but it's like in retrospect nothing came of that and so what was it doing there okay it's interesting you say that because i during her moment when he walks in during her talk back and you have that, you know, she gives that smile of like, mm-hmm. oh, he showed up. I rewound the episode to say, was there a moment that I missed in which he sort of like belittled what she was doing or made it clear that like he couldn't be there? Or was there something that sort of validated that moment? Yeah. And there wasn't. No, there was. What? There. Okay. Well, he this offered. Is, so to, this he, is, this is totally outside of the, the dick broken dick conversation, but the the thing about him walking into her event was that he had a parallel event and he had told her like no like you you come to my event and then you can like head over to yours because like mine's more important and she was like why don't why don't you come to mine and then you can head over to yours and so that was that conversation so she wasn't expecting to see him okay so it sounds like i didn't rewind far enough back because the scene that i rewound to was her take right before she took her wig off. And so what I was, and he was, she was like, oh damn, my car canceled. Which by the way, what is it with this woman in her cars? Yeah, again. Again. But anyway, that's, okay, so but that was the last scene before this. And yeah, I was, no, this nothing... was, it, this all happened okay. in the scene with the jumping and the penis. Now I understand. No, and yeah. the reason I bring it up uh, with regard to the, the penis moment is just like, okay, so this was an example of another thing where I was like, what is the payoff here? But now I, okay, so now I understand there was a beat that I missed. But yes, on the whole, I feel like the show really wants to present LTW 
as sort of like this example of like the woman who has it all, right? Who like has a successful career and a happy marriage and, uh, you know, loving children and great fashions and just, but, and yet I'm not sure that makes for the most interesting character. Mm-hmm. On the one hand, I appreciate the fact that we can't always, we, we talked about this last week, we can't always have marriages and dissolution, right? Like not everything can be Che Miranda. Um, but there just always seems to be that like big smile, uh, big loving marriage energy between the two of them. And I feel like we keep hitting this beat yeah. where it's like, they've got a great sex life and they're very, very happy together. I don't know. I really like LTW. I think she, of the new characters, is the most interesting. And I think Nicole Ari Parker is a fantastic actress. Like, I really do believe that. Um, I just, I don't know. And then part of me thinks it's like, here you and I are, two white men, talking about this plot line where you have this moment where she gets to the MoMA and she's putting her, she brings her lace front and she's putting it putting it on in the bathroom there and has this moment with another black woman in the bathroom where it's like basically saying like it's kind of like an i know that's right kind of moment mm-hmm. like you know like the things we do um and there's a world in which that black women watching this are really snapping their fingers and that you and i are just not attuned to that i'm mm-hmm. not saying that that is not the case um but i'm not sure what it's doing in service of her or the show or the plot yeah, well, that's the thing. It's like, but then it's like, like, does everything have to be in service? I don't, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I think, think, I think things do have to be in service because I, there's just the, like so the the interview about the documentary. Right? I actually really liked that bathroom scene, um, but I the do. the interview about the documentary I was like, nice interview. Yeah, yes, great. We're celebrating black women. What? Where does this fit into the show? Yes, I'm just not seeing like there's it, there's not a there's. There's not like a point A, point B, point C to this plot point. It's just mm-hmm. like she's going to an interview and it's going well. Right. Whereas like you have some plots where sometimes they try and like integrate two plots and give them like uh, a center point. So for instance, uh, last week at the bar with Carrie and Seema and uh, Naya, it's like they're there to meet men. And so that's sort of the pivot point. And then both Seema and Naya meet men. And so the plots split, but it all had this center point. Whereas like Naya's plot is not, or excuse me, LTW's plot is not tied to any of the women besides that brief moment with Naya, where Naya was a part of the documentary. Yeah. But that did not factor in in any way. Yeah, and way. then I'm like, yeah, well, I, that's the thing. I was like, why isn't Naya at this event? She's in the documentary. Yeah. Like, let's bring her in. Yeah. And then there could be so then we could have something cooking here because we could have some characters interacting. Yeah, I just don't know. I I don't know how to feel about LTW because I really think I think I like LTW more than I like the plots that she's been given. Sure. And that's where I think I am with it. Even though I I don't really feel positively or negatively about Seema, but I at least think in the case of Seema, it's like Seema has been given a lot to do this season. I mean, mostly on her cell phone, but also, you know, she got the Birkin (laughs) plot line. She got the penis pump plot line. Yeah. And it's like, I almost feel like what I'm craving for LTW is like more antics driven plot lines um, or even just antics driven scenes. Yeah. It's like there there was that whole sequence of her walking to the MoMA and the snow. And it's like, 
okay that was like it, it was an it was a fun shot i thought i thought she it was like visually striking but there was nothing it wasn't like ah, i ruined my dress on the walk because i was i was being stubborn and not letting my husband drive me because this was my own thing that i'm going to it was oh, like so it wait, all so worked out adds, perfectly see this all again this is an example of like if i had a second watch now you're now I understand why she was walking because she because of the stuff. Yeah, yeah. But are we to and I guess it's because she lives in walking distance of the MoMA. No, no, it's because her car was canceled and then her no, husband I get had, it, but, her husband had the car, right? No, and, I get that, but I'm saying are we to believe that because of her stubbornness she walked from her home yeah. to the MoMA? Yeah. This just doesn't make sense well, because I know. it was 10 blocks to the Met in episode 1. I mean, it just, yeah, I, uh-huh. I'm just, and also, sorry, I'm going to get a little. I think we technical. are, to, I think we're led to believe that it's a long walk. Mm-hmm. But then like when Carrie's walking through the streets, there's not a, every single car is covered in snow. Yeah. There's not a single other person in sight and there's no tire marks on the entire street. Like we are literally shut down it's just so confusing where it's like this is new york like we snow is not going to stop us (laughs) can i say from the twisted mind of cynthia nixon (laughs) seriously (laughs) um okay well let's talk about lily do you want to talk about lily um do i want to (laughs) i don't want to because it grosses me out I think this was just such a strange plot line. And it's funny because we found it really strange. And I imagine if we were in conversation with the writer's room, they would say, that's the point. And it's like, yeah, but like, was this necessary? And I'm sure we're going to come to find out that this was something that happened to one of the writers in real life, or this is something that they heard from a friend. Is that what happens on the, and just like that podcast? Well, that was always the case on Sex and the City. I I would say the majority of the plots on Sex and the City came from real life experiences of the writers or friends of the writers. And I think that that is mainly true uh, with, with, and just like that. But it's just such a, like, it reminded me of the moment several episodes ago with the MILF list and that moment of like them uh, gawking at the, child in the Uh school of like this just being like it's like the concept alone is sort of yucky and then the fact that they like leaned into it so much yeah um i was more not understanding lily's perspective because i understand if the plot line is charlotte is like overly involved in this and then lily's like grossed out by it but like lily seemed very much like yeah, mom, like, here's the address. Come on over with the condoms. Instead of being like a normal 17-year-old and being like, mom, I'll get them myself. Or yeah. we're just not going to use one. Yeah, or like, yeah, I feel like the, I feel like. Also, we never saw this guy. I feel like the plot here is that like he didn't have condoms and they didn't use one. And then she has to talk to her mom and then then is like happy that her mom is there for her. I love you know, it. Now she's happy her mom is sex positive because she needs to like lean on her in this like. Really and then moment. Harry steps in and ends up being cool dad again because mm. Harry lost credibility in the last episode. Um, and so I feel like that would be a great opportunity for like Harry to surprise everyone and be like, I'm actually cool with this and I can help. Yeah. But the idea of like all of these shots of Charlotte walking around 
bomb cyclone to New York City where she's just on the hunt for condoms where she gets them I don't think we even find out but she ends up having them and then like handing them to Lily and the hug it's all kind of and then that stare up at the sky it grossed me out Wait, do you know what I'm talking about, though? Yeah, that I shot? thought she was staring up to, like, the window where it's going to happen. I thought so, too. And I was like, lady, you need to go home. Yeah, the whole thing Also, how did she get there? <laughs> she walked. But, like, every- everyone is just walking about this city. Well, Someone yeah. needs to get Seema and get her driver. Well. <laughs> you know, Seema's always in that car with that driver. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Okay, so that's Lily. We got Lily playing the piano a little bit. Yeah. I guess I'm just sort of like, in my mind, it's like, Lily, I respect your desire to lose your virginity. Today is not the day. Mother Nature. <laughs> it's not just like Mother might be allowing this, but like Mother Nature is not. Well, it actually was the perfect day because Blake. Blake? <laughs> <laughs> not you writing this down. Blake's. Uh, parents were out of town. This is actually the only day. I think they'll be out of town tomorrow. <laughs> well, the snow might not be melted tomorrow. What about Seema? <laughs> hey, Seema's just like you. She wants to spend the summer in the Hamptons. Okay. <laughs> we, ne- <laughs> <laughs> we need to get into this. Listen, Carrie has a house in the Hamptons. What do you mean? Carrie owns a house in the Hamptons. It's just strange. Literally, Since when? the well, the plot of the pilot episode of And Just Like That is whether or not her and Big are going to drive out to the Hamptons to their house. And the whole issue is that I forget what the what ends up is it because of the concert? Or it's like he's gonna meet her out there. Anyway, there's the, there's there's this discussion of their Hamptons house. They have a house in the Hamptons. Now, could we have done a whole like Carrie has a throwaway line about selling the house or having renters for the summer? I, fine, but yeah, she could instead, have been like, "Oh, I'm so stupid. Why did I sell that house?" Yes, but yeah. like, not only do they own a house canonical to Sex in the City, they own a house canonically to and just like that. It is referenced <laughs> right, on right. the show. Right. So maybe she rents it out. Maybe it's spoken for. I suppose. And then also it's like, what is their plan? If 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 the so the two of them are going to rent an entire Hamptons house? It looked massive. Also, I'm sorry, if Seema has a Birkin and has as much wealth as she would like us to believe she does, Seema should own a Hamptons house. Well, if you're so status driven that you want to own a Birkin, I think you would be status driven enough to own the Hamptons house if for no other reason than to say you own a Hamptons house. Also, isn't Seema a realtor? Doesn't she have the contacts <laughs> to like make a call and be like, you know me, you know my taste, find me a house? I didn't know also, she was a realtor. Also, yeah, that's how her and Carrie first met. Oh, oh, right, right, right. We've been through this. Also, we got to move past this whole south of a highway bullshit in the Hamptons. That's not a thing. And the reason I say we got to move past it is because this was a plot line on The Real Housewives of New York that like Ramona began this like basically kind of stating that like if you own a house north of the highway, that you're of a lower tax bracket. 
that just isn't true. And like, I, I don't know why I, I don't really understand this because this is not something I don't know. Maybe there's a whole world of people that do think this way that I'm not privy to, but like, if you've got a house in the Hamptons, I think like things are looking good for you. Okay. Riddle me this as someone not from New York and not familiar with the Hamptons. What's the draw? What's the draw? Are you? The okay. Wait, can I ask you, are you in the Hamptons right now? I'm in the Hamptons. <laughs> I'm oh, minutes away from Seema and Carrie's house. <laughs> Wait, so the question is, what is the draw of the Hamptons? Yeah. So a number of things. This is a complicated question. I'll keep it short. But basically, the Hamptons is like a retreat from the city of New York. And during the summer, because of the heat and because of the buildings, and because a lot of people come in, tourists and things to the city, the city just becomes very overcrowded during the summer. And so people look for reasons to leave. Um, the appeal of the Hamptons, I mean, there's many things. Obviously, there's the beaches here. There's the fact that many houses have pools. Um, and there's, it's just a beautiful place, whether it be biking, uh, there's great seafood out here. I mean, there's a lot to offer, but basically... You and don't then also, like seafood. I don't eat seafood. Well, that's not for me, but I'm just saying, <laughs> like, but, but I will say, like, there's also, there's townies, and then there are visitors my mm -hmm. I'm, I'm currently coming to you from my brother and sister-in-law's house oh. they live here full-time like this is where they live um but then you have people like billy's parents who have a hamptons house that sits empty for much of the year um and then yeah and then but like or people can rent it or we come out um and then you have people like carrie and Seema, apparently who look for a month-long or a summer-long rental Okay. But the appeal is basically just like, yeah, getting it's like, out of the it's city. It's like cottage country. Like you're getting out of the city. My whole thing when it comes to the Hamptons is it's a hard conversation to have generally because I feel like people have a perception of the Hamptons as being like exclusively for the uber wealthy. Mm. And though that is not the case, to say that it's not the case is also a little bit right. not tethered to reality because right. yes, there is a certain level of privilege one has to have. Mm, it's like even saying that, I'm like, not necessarily. It, it's complicated. Okay. I but like, yes, in general, it is a place for wealthy people, but there, it's not exclusively for wealthy people, but chances are, if you are on the Hamptons Jitney or on the Long Island Railroad, those you are bumping elbows with are probably coming from some money. Do you think if I went to the Hamptons, I could meet like a wealthy man? Yes. Nice. Yeah, but you wouldn't need to because you're in a relationship. <laughs> Do you mean just like for like a... a just like, a, I don't know, just like, a, it's nice to have options. Yeah, it is good to have options. Yes, I do think you could meet a wealthy man, but I would say that like gay wealth specifically mm. is probably found more on Fire Island or mm. P-Town. Okay. So yeah. they're not, not a big gay scene. No, there, well, there is... So there are a lot of gay men here. I wouldn't say there's like a gay scene in the same way there are. Is there like a gay beach? No. Oh. No. There's a restaurant called Almond, um, which is known, it has like a gay night. Um, <laughs> but I would say also like the set, the kind of gay men you would meet if you go to like gay night at Almond would not be the kind of gay men you're looking for. Right. They would be like, in khakis and right. polos and boat shoes. Yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. But I will offer this up for anyone that hasn't been to the Hamptons that is thinking about it. I'll clue you in on two local favorites here. <laughs> Let's hear it. One is called Round Swamp. Um, it's sort of like a prepared foods place that's just right off the main road. Um, well, there's three locations, but the main one is in East Hampton. It's my absolute favorite. Um, everything on the menu is good. And then my favorite restaurant here, which is legitimately a deep cut, um, is <laughs> the, the name was slipping my mind as I was saying it, but it just came to me. It's called Rita Cantina. And it's one of the only Mexican restaurants in all of the Hamptons. And I cannot recommend it enough. Wow. Send those recommendations straight to Seema. I will. I'll let her know. I, and you know what? I feel like cool people wouldn't know about Rita Cantina. So I don't think it would be on Seema's radar. Okay. Seema would be going to Il Buco, which is like this new trendy restaurant here that sucks. Seema is probably bringing her live-in chef to the house. That's true. Oh my god, wait, why don't you come out here sometime? Actually, wait, well, this is, we'll offline this, but <laughs> next time you are in New York, oh, when you come to New York for the live Drop Your Buffs, yeah. we'll come out to the Hamptons. The live Drop Your Buffs, I gotta say, is, uh, it's, we're cutting it close, don't you think? Um, uh, I'm perfectly, <laughs> perfectly optimistic about it. Uh, I just say that because it's like, well, if we're really going to do a watch party for the season premiere, well, I'm just saying, like, I will tell you, I'm saying if, if we're really going to do a watch party for the season premiere of Survivor, which is like September 22nd ish, I think hasn't been announced yet, but that's usually when it is. It seems to me one, we got to get on a venue stat, Mm -hmm. right? Surely Mm -hmm. one of those wedding venues you've looked at is available. Uh And second, we got to get like we got to get it settled because do you know the competition there is for survivor watch parties are you being serious i swear to god i think i'm not worried about that not in the sense of people getting tickets but in the sense of us securing the 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 talent uh, you know what i mean i mean i kind of know what you you're mean you're competing with the johnny fairplays the bryson wendells they pull okay. big names I, no you're right i shouldn't be so confident okay <laughs> worth considering <laughs> Okay, so stay tuned for that. All right, what else is going on here? Uh, Carrie is going to WidowCon, and we've got Rachel Dratch. Woohoo! <laughs> what uh, <laughs> unexpected surprise for me to see Rachel Dratch in this universe. Now, they know each other from the past. Carrie and Carrie, formerly Karen. Is Rachel Dratch canon in... No, and what's interesting was that her the backstory that we're given predates the carry of sex in the right city. right that they were screenwriters though, together, like that they were writing a, a film like 27 dresses but that carrie didn't show up to the pitch love that i liked the bit about the mochaccino yeah because yeah. we talked about this when i watched the sex in the city pilot and the that people were drinking cappuccinos at the time mm-hmm. and carrie specifically says i've never had a mochaccino Mm. I'm sure they were thinking about the pilot when they wrote that line. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Interestingly, Carrie's book agents, or I believe they're her agents in uh, Sex and the City, uh, were Amy Sedaris and Molly Shannon. So I kind of like the idea of us, yeah, keeping these like canonically funny ladies in the SATC universe. Yeah, I like that. But yeah, love the Rachel Dratch pop up. I love any Rachel Dratch appreciation moment. I feel like because we got like this huge Molly Shannon assance, and I do feel like between 
Rachel Dratch, and also like um, Maya Rudolph has had a number of really big gigs in recent years. I feel like on deck right now, it's like, so Anna Gasteyer comes to mind. However, Anna did have that NBC show that was recently canceled. Yeah, but it just didn't have the impact. And Anna Gasteyer was always my favorite. Like I love Molly Shannon, but Anna Gasteyer, I think like deserves more credit than she's given. I feel like Sherry O'Terry is my one to watch. Okay. So, but I feel like between Anna, Rachel, and Sherry, all three are equally deserving. But then, like, you could also argue that, like, Molly Shannon deserves, like, she's gotten awesome things recently. I mean, she had the White Lotus two years ago, and then the other two, and then um, I love that for you on Showtime. But, like, both the other two and I love that for you were chronically underwatched shows. So it's like, all this to say, all of these women just uh-huh. deserve more. Um, but yeah, lovely to see Rachel Dratch on our screens. And I like any time, I like like the interplay between SJ and Rachel because you could tell that uh, SJ was having fun. Yeah. And I just love the concept that she got booked for this death conference. <laughs> it's just so funny. And there's this clip that I, I always really wanted to use this um, when back when I was doing the Deja The View social media. There was this clip of Megan McCain and it was like, she would famously talk about her father, right? Mm-hmm. And there was this great clip where she was miserable. She was in a really bad mood one day. And she, someone sort of like goes at her, probably Joy. And she crosses her arms and she huffs and she goes, I just got back from a death conference in San Francisco. <laughs> and it was just like, I had never heard of such a thing. And I was like, wow, that is the most Megan McKay. That's the le- that was the last thing I expected. And yet the the most Megan McCain thing I've ever heard in my life. Mm. Um, and so I, I love to see a death conference here of sorts and that it's something that Carrie gets booked at. That's like, it just feels like there's a bit of a struggle for Carrie here to like promote her books, get interest in it. Now she's taking this shitty gig or sh- what she perceives at the beginning to be a shitty gig at this widow conference. Um, this is the kind of thing I just wish that I could see LTW deal with a little bit that it's like, Oh, she's going to go to the MoMA event. Something weird's going to happen. You know what I mean? Like that sort of thing. Because I like seeing Carrie in this position of like, okay, things are going going great. I like, I, I've sort of like processed my trauma through writing this book. Now I've got to go out and promote it. And oh shit, like this isn't what it used to be for me. Mm-hmm. The rewrite that I was craving was that adjacent to WidowCon, unbeknownst to Carrie, was WidowerCon. And Aiden was in attendance at WidowerCon because, as we learn, Aiden's wife has died. We learned that? No, I'm saying in my rewrite. Oh, well, we learn it in the show, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's because it's like, obviously, the way we're going to be reintroduced to Aiden, we find out, is via Carrie randomly reaching out to him over email. I feel like there could have been a great way to introduce him via WidowCon. Because mm-hmm. obviously we're going, I mean, we know, oh wait, I don't think we know yet. We, I think we're going to come to find that he is divorced. I don't know, again, oh. full disclosure, I know nothing. I'm not giving spoilers. I'm giving, I just, I, we know that they kiss. Those photos are on the internet. Oh, okay. And so I don't think he's a cheating. So no. I'm assuming he's divorced because I don't think they're going to do, I don't think they would do a widower and widow plotline for the two of them. Um, but I do think it would have been fun. 
they like bond through their shared grieving, but then they come to find out that it's like super toxic because they're like using each other instead of really falling back in love. Mm. Yeah. I like where this is going. Now, when Carrie called Che to ask that they accompany Carrie to WidowCon, I my jaw was on the floor. Tell me more. I just couldn't believe that of all people, and like I, I see the connection that Carrie made of like, well, you're used to being in front of people. I have to go be in front of people. And so I'd like your support, but like, Surely Carrie's talking to her friend Miranda during the past few months and Miranda's like Che is like a fucking basket case right now and hasn't left the house in months. And so like maybe not the best person for this kind of advice right now. Also, wouldn't you probably want one of your two best friends who knew your deceased husband to be in attendance? (laughs) Yeah, I guess. Strange, strange, strange. Yeah, the whole thing was strange, but I was glad that Che showed up. Because I felt like I just, having not seen season one, I haven't seen Che and Carrie interact in person except for that, you know, that uh, housewarming sort of like thing that they did. Oh, also that. Um, so so I liked, I liked seeing them together. I got to say, at WidowCon, the speaker before Carrie who was doing the jokes, I don't think... Che is in any position to be criticizing that person's jokes. Okay, that person was an icon. And the scene that came afterwards went, yeah. should we name that person? Because neither of us know her name. I don't know her. No, I'm saying, should we name her the character in this moment? Just oh, us. like, uh, just us? Yeah. Come up with a name? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Sylvia. Okay, so the scene with Sylvia <laughs> and Carrie after the fact, I thought was, like, so beautiful. I love yeah, the actress that played Sylvia. I love that scene <laughs> of her just being really genuine and heartfelt and allowing yeah. Carrie to sort of like step into her light. Um, I was like, I want more of her. Yeah. Well, I really just love this concept of like Carrie feeling insecure because this other, you see this other person succeeding and then you think that that is the definition of success. And in order to be successful yourself, you have to do what that other person is doing. Carrie tries that and it fails. And so instead Carrie is just herself. And in the process, not only does she succeed, but that person who she was looking up to now looks up to her. Not only that, the person that she was looking up to knew who she was and had read her book. Already looked up to her. Yeah. 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 No, I think that that was a fantastic beat. And and it felt real to sometimes with a character like Carrie, where you're sort of like, well, she she's, you know, she's been through it all. She knows everything there is to know about life and about herself. I felt like this felt really real as far as like, this is a, a beat Carrie has, a revelation Carrie has not yet had. And so it felt authentic of her to learn it. Because in my mind, I'm like, you know, Girl's been on stage a million times. This is old old hat for her. But I was like, no, not in this formula. You know what I mean? Not because this book is her most honest or, you know, or the most difficult to write and as we got when she did the audiobook. And so for someone to compliment this book, it's not the same thing as like, I love your writing. It's like, I love your writing and I love the truth that you were able to conjure and present and the bravery in doing that. And I'm like, yeah, I feel that. The other really powerful thing about WidowCon was that it really demonstrated the power of marketing, right? You have just a plain vibrator 
but you call it the widow wand and it's on back order. You could go down the street and get the same thing at any sex shop. It's true. And if you want your own widow wand, use code DROPBUFFS15. 15% off. Only 15%? <laughs> Jesus. Um, I need to create WidowCon merch. <laughs> like, how sickening would that be? That would be really good. Actually, that would be really good. Like, I attended WidowCon and all I got was this dead husband or something. Yeah. Black Widow Con. Oh my god. <laughs> How about that? We should put we should hold a Black Widow Con. Yeah, we'd have to track down, down several members of the Black Widow Brigade. So good <laughs> luck to us with that. We've got Parvati. She's got Natalie. Uh-huh. Sari <laughs> is gettable. Eh, maybe not. We might have to do it without Sari. But you know who's gonna be available? Alexis. Yeah. So that's for I sure. guess Amanda's not available. Okay, great. Uh <laughs> Who else do we have? Miranda. Um, okay, so I'm glad that we reached this point for Miranda because it needed to happen. I feel like everything's been leading up to this breakup with Che. And I do think they handled it in an interesting way because I thought that we were, like, we started the episode in a much better place than I thought we were going to begin. Like, I thought the end of the last episode was the beginning of the disillusion. Mm-hmm. But this episode sort of began with the mislead of thinking that they had gotten things back on track because where we left off last episode was I need an undefined amount of time away from you. And then we open this episode and they're back together. So, and again, as, as we know, time passes very strangely in this world, but it was sort of like, we'd been led to believe that whatever, whatever they'd gone through, they'd worked through it. Uh, But that was clearly not the case. What I am curious about is from Miranda's perspective, is this breakup basically is, is the idea that like Che is at such a bad place in their life that they simply can't take on a relationship? Or is this about Miranda? Because yeah, what I'm really, sensing is like, yeah. this has everything to do with like Che and their sense of self-worth being decimated vis-a-vis the show. And basically it's like, Miranda, I don't want you in the crosshairs of my messed up life. Oh wait, I was going to say, it's basically like a... What is it? A snow bomb? What was the thing? A bomb cyclone. Okay, cyclone? it's basically yeah. like Che's life is a bomb cyclone. Yeah. And it's like, I don't want you having to be in the um, the flurry. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the flurry of my bomb cyclone. That that much I wasn't so sure about. Like, where... It, like, if Miranda were to tell the story of the dissolution of this relationship, what's Miranda's version of the story? Yeah, that's a really good question because there was nothing about Miranda. Even like the things that she would be like, it it was always Miranda, why are you treating me this way? And then Miranda would have a perfectly good explanation as to like right. why it was actually Che's fault that she was treating them that way. And then there would be like an apology. So it was always like Miranda was never in the wrong here really in any way. In fact, Miranda rearranged her entire life to be with Che more than once and so like look i don't know miranda deserves better i but i think thought that okay well first of all the cameos how much do you think che charges for a cameo how much would you pay for a che cameo well i pay a lot but for like (laughs) but like that's for other reasons than che's intention in setting up their cameo um 
Although I like, I understand this in theory, right? It's this idea that like, they're trying to make a statement about like the performance of our online selves. Uh But the idea that like Che would literally be in bed (laughs) making them next to Miranda and not be like, I'm going to step out of the room was one of those things where it's like, I think we're trying to kill two birds with one stone, but like these birds require more than one stone and like a bigger stone than we've got present. <laughs> Cause I was like, this ain't it. Um, but I also was like, this is fucking hilarious at the same time. Um, I also love the Paddington bear reference uh, because I just watched Paddington two this past weekend for the first time. Also was devastated to learn Production on Paddington in Peru was set to begin this Monday and it shut down due to the writer's strike. And I'm. Oh, I didn't know Paddington was going to Peru. Yeah. Well, back to Peru. Sorry, what? Back to Peru. Paddington's from Peru. (laughs) (laughs) He's a Peruvian bear. Like. Paddington Bear. Is from Peru. The famously British bear. No, he's from Peru. He wound up in Britain. From Peru. He's Peruvian. He's the one that likes marmalade sandwiches. He doesn't like them. He loves them. <laughs> he's from Peru. Since when? What kind of retcon? Since birth. <laughs> <laughs> when did we learn that Paddington was from Peru? In the original film, when it opens in Peru... The one with Nicole Kidman? Yes. Oh. It literally opens in the jungles of Peru. And Anyhow. at that point, is he wearing the jacket or he's a little bear? No, the jacket comes in when he gets to London. Because it's cold and rainy. That's the case. I'm going to have to rewatch that one. But here's the thing. With production paused, could Che Diaz appear in Paddington in Peru? I'd hope not. We need a new villain. <laughs> Although I think I, be- I think Olivia Coleman is going to be the villain in Paddington. Oh Peru, yeah, okay. <laughs> which <laughs> that tracks. Yeah. Um, but yes, the whole scene with Miranda and Che in bed was very strange. It also felt like at this point we're sort of hitting home the point that like these two are not compatible together. If it's not one thing, it's mm-hmm. another thing. Mm-hmm. I was a little bit confused just because the whole issue for Miranda. It was our understanding. It wasn't the being on the couch in the house that was the issue. The issue was the waking up so early from Che's to get to Steve's. But if her and Che were taking a break, like, wouldn't that have been, then then Miranda would have been back home. I guess I'm just sort of like, again, it's like there's all these questions with Miranda about where they're at. So it's like, so at this point now, also, was this the same bedroom from that we saw in the previous episode of Che's apartment? Yeah. It was? Yeah. Okay. Was the chair still there? I don't know about the chair. I mean, Miranda picked her stuff off up from that general area, and Uh I feel like it must have been on a chair. I can't see Miranda throwing her stuff on the floor. Okay. It didn't seem like her. Because then it's like, to your point earlier about the laundry, it's like, so Miranda could do her laundry at Che's or at Naya's. It's like, Miranda has options. No, she's doing laundry for her kid back at Steve's place. Oh. And possibly Steve's laundry. Oh my god, they could have done such a good callback. So famously... In Sex and the City, Miranda does Steve's laundry in, I think it's season three, but it might be season two, and finds skid marks on his laundry. 
Because her whole thing is like, there's nothing more romantic than doing your boyfriend's laundry. And then like, that's the thing that ruins her idea of like doing the laundry. It would have been such a great callback if like she's folding Brady's laundry and there's skid marks as well. And she's like, like father, like son. Um, I don't understand why she's doing Brady's laundry. I don't understand Brady's infantilization of, or excuse Mm -hmm. me, Miranda's infantilization of Brady throughout Mm -hmm. this show. Um, but also Brady sort of acted like a little baby when he was in Amsterdam and, and his relationship with Louisa ended. Um, but then we get Steve coming home and this scene, and I gotta just say it. I don't think David Eigenberg as an actor is capable of what this scene was wanting him to do. Because I feel like he went, he was like at a 10 and I feel like this scene needed like a six. Mm. But then it's like, I understand from the script's perspective, it needed him to get to a 10 in order for Miranda to walk out. But I don't know. I went like, I felt like a million, like I didn't even know, I couldn't get a sense of my balance in this scene because it's like, he brought up the fact that you didn't even want the kid, but it's like, well, neither of them wanted the kid, just for you, so you know for context, they were broken up at the time and Miranda had what she referred to as a mercy fuck for Steve because he had just found out he had testicular cancer and that mercy fuck resulted in Miranda getting pregnant and Miranda was going to get an abortion and decided at the last minute not to. And so that's how Brady came to be for Steve to use that against Miranda is like, so fucked up but then miranda like is like "Mm, you want me to stay and cuddle i'll stay and cuddle all is forgiven then sees the condom and it's the condom that sets her over the edge but not her ex-husband alluding to miranda not wanting their son to have been i mean that did to just be clear like that did set her over the edge she had a breakdown well well, she had a breakdown but then she like but then it like then we were yeah it, it seemed to me that they like that they pressed fast forward on the and just like that clock and they're like hours later they're in bed you know there's only so much crying you can do she apologizes to steve did you for... get nervous when she started to move towards the door that he was going to hit her no i did not that i thought not that i thought it was going to happen i was like nervous that that's like where they were gonna take oh this. no i didn't and i was gonna be like anymore. i cannot handle that i thought they were gonna fuck or something oh i would have like i really thought them. all of this was oh cul- my god i thought all of this was culminating in them getting back together i truly oh my god that. and then um che- who's che's ex <laughs> i don't know oh no, that no, no. guy yeah and then it's like he shows up at the house and then that's the threesome that she's able to successfully have <laughs> No yeah. Charlie horse there. It's like, I've been knocking on doors all over. Uh, <laughs> where where does they live? In Brooklyn. Wherever. In Brooklyn, right. And he's like, I've been looking for Miranda. I heard she lives out here. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Seema's driver brought him out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yes, I thought this was just a strange scene tonally for a lot of reasons. I was comforted that just the shot of them cuddling in bed was very satisfying as a longtime fan of the two of them. But yeah, ultimately did not land us in the best of places. Miranda heads over to Chase. 
gets her second breakup. And basically we're just sort of left like wondering what's next for Miranda. I mean, Miranda blew up her life as she knew it for this life with Che. And there were so many signs throughout this season that they were not a good match together. And I don't know if it was Miranda ignoring them or seeing them and choosing to look the other way. And I'm curious how much we'll have Miranda like reflecting on this. And then I think the ultimate question is, does Che exist in the Angel Like That universe if they're not a part of Miranda's plotline? Because I feel like the show's made a great effort to be like, Che is also Carrie's friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If we've got Jackie hanging around, that's the thing. Why not have Che? So that's a concern. <laughs> that's certainly a concern. Um, I also don't know if I was like fully into like the Che having the aha moment to break up with Miranda because of WidowCon. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think they did. I think they did. <laughs> think they like, that's that was my first thought. I was like, oh, my God. Like, Che's realizing that uh, you, there is life after. Do you believe in life after love? Che was like, yes, I do. Hmm. Look at all these really happy people. I, yeah. This could be me. Yeah. So but does is you know che... what? Che, che is falling for the classic, like, you, you can go anywhere. You can change anything. But guess what? You're still going to be there when you get there. Hmm. Like, this is not going to, the, the problem, the call is coming from inside the house, Che. I sort of think that's the story of Che's life, is the call coming from inside the house. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm definitely glad to have single Miranda, but circling back to comments that I made last week, I need more of Miranda on the beach um, being, you know, putting the seaweed into the buckets and having the guy with the glasses angry with her or even Miranda in the sensory deprivation tank. Like I need, I like comedy Miranda Mm -hmm. um, a lot. I, and I obviously Cynthia Nixon's an incredible dramatic actress and, but like, I just, I, I, I just want to see Miranda win. And I, I I think what we're getting in the next episode is Miranda re-entering the dating pool. And I would love that. I want like Miranda meeting a new woman and having like a one night stand and like something funny happening. Yeah. Like the reason that doesn't work out is because of something funny. Yeah. It's like, I need like Miranda, like six, the vibrator in this date and it like gets stuck and like, they have to go to the ER <laughs> together. Like that's like the kind of plot line I want for Miranda. Right. Miranda grabs a widow wand and puts it in the wrong hole because it's dark in the bedroom. Totally. Now, wait, right. one one last question before we go. Yes. So This is the longest recap of him just like that. Oh, gosh. Ever. What do you... So Miranda, it's my, it's like my understanding from this episode that's like Miranda's going to force Steve out of the apartment. So are we done with the Miranda-Naya roommate plot line? Uh, I don't know about that. I, I'm not, I'm not settled that that's what's gonna happen. Mm-hmm. It seems unfair. You did the whole kitchen. Yeah. Have you posted your meme your meme cap yet? No, I. T- well, am I a scab? If I do. <laughs> no. Do you know about this? Like ha- by posting memes. 
Well, you're not supposed to be promoting even in an unpaid You're capacity. not an actor. No, no, Sean. I read the rules. It's, apl- it's applicable to anyone. Huh? So we I, shouldn't be doing this recap. I don't know. I, like, I don't know. I don't know. You know, I'm doing an interview with someone. I'm doing an interview with someone from SAG-AFTRA tomorrow for a story. And this is something I'm going to ask. But like, and just like that, it's technically a struck company. You know, I I, I don't know. Anyway, I am working on the memes. I'm deciding whether or not to post them. Uh, This is how I feel. Look, I might be on the wrong side of history here. But I think you, a non-actor, posting about a show that's on that has already been filmed and completed is okay. Right, but I would also argue that like an actor promoting a show that's already completed that they're on is also like totally in the clear, but it's not. So like that, it just, I'm just But they're the actor. I don't know. I I don't even think that this is a gray area. Okay, I'm just telling you according to SAG-AFTRA, it is. (laughs) I'm gonna (laughs) say- That that they don't want somebody promoting the work? Do memes count as promotion? Yes. Eh. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I have, I have to think about it. So do we want to give an emoji or no? <laughs> no emoji. We're, we're dark. <laughs> Is there like a picketing emoji or like the fist? Oh, yeah. Okay. We'll do the solidarity fist. Solidarity fist. Okay. Love that. <laughs> Jesus. I'm melting in here. Okay. Yeah. I'm. Me too. Thank you so much for listening. We've got a very, hey, wait till you hear our interview that is dropping on Monday on Drop Your Buffs. Little something to break up the summer and just like that content. Let's say that. All right. If you liked this, leave a rating and review. You can follow us at Drop Your Buffs Pod on Instagram. Thank you so much for listening. Bye. Bye.